Today on the Talent Cast, I try very hard not to turn this into a rant, but job descriptions, oh, still suck. Howdy! Welcome to the Talent Cast, where we talk about the new world of talent acquisition and recruitment marketing. I, am always, am your host, James Ellis. Uh, I was bitten by a radioactive recruiter once and discovered I had strange new powers, and thus, we are here. This podcast is not sponsored or supported by anyone whatsoever. We've instituted a 100% no-pitching rule. We're here to learn, teach, and discuss so we can all become better recruitment marketing thinkers. I'm not here to sell you anything. If you like this podcast, and I really hope you do, tell the world on LinkedIn and Twitter and any other place you're professionally social. I'm pretty sure your friends don't care. Uh, you can always review us on iTunes or Google Play. We really appreciate that. Uh, as always, if you have comments, questions, topic suggestions, if you would like me to discuss uh, your particular problem, if you know someone I should interview, reach out to me on the Twitter. It's The War for Talent. That's right, The War for Talent. Or just go to our website. We're at thetalentcast.com. Thetalentcast.com. Otherwise, here we go. Hope you enjoy. Hey, James Ellis here in the bunker. Coffee is made. Hold on, let's test it. Mm. Yes, it is delicious. And I promised we'd talk about something big, and I lied, apparently. <laughs> I got a great question uh, from a listener, a regular listener, Steve Usher out of Stockholm, of all places. Uh, again, still blown away by the uh, international flavor, cosmopolitan flavor of the talent cast. Uh, here I am in Chicago, and I'm reaching people in countries that, I mean, the two-letter categories, I'm like, uh, I don't know that one off the top of my head. It, the country codes, they're hilarious. Anyway, Steve asks, here, let me quote him just because, you know, blah, 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 blah. Uh, okay, I totally share your views on job descriptions slash job adverts. They're in serious need of an upgrade. Do you know of any companies who create great content in their job adverts? I'd be keen to learn and share. Thanks, Steve. Steve, thank you. Uh, love the question. So, I'm going to go a little around the question and through the question and over the hill and through the woods to grandmother's house we go um, to get around this because I think we have to talk about why job descriptions suck because they do. They, I mean, if, if you don't think they do, one, why are you listening to this? Two, really? Really? Come on. They're horrible. They're clearly translated into the Icelandic, translated back into the English, rewritten by a lawyer. Uh, thrown through a, a food processor of some sort and reassembled as some sort of word salad that half the time means nothing. Your average job description is junk. It is full of stuff that is absolutely meaningless if you take out the uh, uh, equal opportunity stuff and the boilerplate corporate stuff and the job requirements, which literally have nothing to do with what the job actually is, but literally who's allowed to apply for it. What you're left with is scraps scraps of the table of information of what this job is. And when you're a job seeker, all you care about is, what is this job? I don't care what you call this in. I don't care what the title is. I don't care if you're looking for a rock star, a blah, 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 or a, a executive senior strategist, blah, 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 level three, blah, 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 like some you know large hospitals or uh, nonprofits do. Um, those are meaningless terms. What is this job? Um, it's the title, it's the description, and it's a sense of what is this job. And there's a whole lot of conversation we can get into about employer brand that I'm going to save for the next podcast, I promise. Um, but 
the question is why are the job descriptions so horrible? And I think it's, and it, this is sad for me to say, and I don't want to have to say it, but I'm going to say it because that's what they pay me for. <laughs> pay me for. Um, the job descriptions suck because this is a, because the recruiting ATS process has gotten in the way, run amok, and it's made the concept of writing a good job description almost impossible. So let us walk through the standard process in most companies, most large size, large size companies, uh, of how to fill out a, or how to get a job rec up on the website, as it were. Okay, so you're a hiring manager, someone has left, or better yet, you've grown and you need more people to do wonderful work and make everybody lots of money. This should be a lovely day. This should be a day of clapping and dancing and singing. Huzzah, huzzah, bring me all the muffins and bagels from all the land. Um, it's a wonderful day. You're making more money. That's wonderful. Or someone's leaving and that's, you know, melancholy. You know, sometimes you, you lose a really good person and sometimes you lose an okay person and you look at it like, oh, this could be an upgrade and nothing wrong with that. Um, Look, looking for a job, opening up or opening up a job rec should be a wonderful thing. It's a, it's a, it's proof that your company is on some level successful. It is maintaining its ability to staff or it's staffing up, and none of those things are bad. So, um, so the hiring manager says, I need the person who does X, and I don't care what the X is. I don't care if they're social marketing manager. I don't care if they're accountants. I don't care if they're account executives. I don't care if they're sanitation workers. I don't care. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. What the hiring manager, who is, let's be fair, very, very busy, as we all are, not saying that they're more busy than recruiters because recruiters get all about that because recruiters are insanely busy too, but the hiring manager is busy. And the hiring manager ha is facing the curse of knowledge. They know what this job is. You know why? Because they've been managing this job for a year or two or 10. Uh, they get what the job is. They understand. I need someone who does this, 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 who understands these, these, these things. If you're looking for a programmer, here's the 20 programming languages I want you to learn or want you to ha know coming in. I want experiences on large enterprise projects or, uh, you know, uh, quality assurance for, you know, teams and blah, blah, blah. Who knows? I don't, I'm speaking gibberish at this point. The hiring manager knows what the job is. The hiring manager knows innately what the job is. At no point has the hiring manager stopped and thought, I should write that down. Why would they? They've got things to do, things that make a company money. So they're deeply incentivized to ignore all of this. So what they do is they say, hey, recruiter, can you take the last time we hired someone who in this job and you just take that and just push, push it up now? Let us look at the history of that job description that the hiring manager said, hey, can you just take the last one and push it up? Okay, let's. Okay, so this job description that has just been pulled up out of history um, is not exactly what the job is because the job has changed in the last six months since you've had to hire someone. You've added a, one or two um, functional areas or you've ha added one or two skills that need to be done or you've changed your system. So A is less important than B, but that's not how it was written six months ago. Um, Chances are that job description was written by, maybe that job description was written by a previous manager who had a different sense of what this job was and what they were looking for and what they were willing to coach and what they were willing to, to train and what they weren't willing to, they were just gonna, had to come in with the package. Chances are a good chunk of that job description and I put money on this, I think that at least 50% of job descriptions out on, let's say Indeed, the biggest job board right now, um, at least 50% of those job descriptions have some chunk of it stolen from another job. My money says many of them have job description text stolen from other companies. <laughs> I know there are companies who literally write job descriptions, standardized job descriptions, which blows my mind. 
Um, you're saying that a project manager at that job and a project manager at that company are the exact same jobs? No, of course not. Project managers are project managers. They have roughly similar ideas. But the project manager gig at Google and the project manager gig at a state government, radically different. Um, completely different experiences, completely different tasks, completely different skills, completely different requirements. Um, but we're going to steal and we're going we're gonna to copy like crazy. So this job description from history is a mishmash, hodgepodge, quilted effect of stuff that was once true, stuff that was never true, and stuff that didn't even occur at this company, and that's what you're going to expect to use because the hiring manager is too busy. And the hiring manager doesn't really have anyone kind of knock him in the head. I'm sorry if I say he. I don't mean to be gender specific here. Knocking them in the head to say, hey, are you sure this is right? Is this still true? And the hiring manager just looks and gives it a quick perusal and says, yeah, that's close enough. Let's just get people in the door. To the hiring manager's way of thinking, just getting me people, getting me resumes, that's what I need. Stop quibbling with me about what do you mean that's not an accurate job description. I don't care. Just let's make it happen. Well, gosh, if that doesn't put the recruiting or the recruiter in a, just a horrible position, I don't know what was. Hey, you're expected to bring in a dozen or so qualif wonderfully qualified candidates based on imperfect information or, in some cases, wrong information. Let's stop with the imperfect niceness about it. Um, and you're going to try and read the hiring manager's mind. You're going to have to try and understand what has happened in that team and that department in the last six months that may or may not have changed. You're going to have to read some tea leaves. You're going to have to ask a couple questions and try not to get yelled at. And you're, after, you're being sent forth with your marching orders to go, go find me more people. Sorry, recruiter, your job sucks in that case. Um, that's that's a tough. That's the gag, unfortunately, and you know it. And that's why you, you know, that's why you sometimes drink, <laughs> right? Um, so the recruiter who has to know everything, meaning they have to know what a good account executive looks like, and a good uh, copywriter looks like, and a good art director looks like, as well as a good social media marketer, as well as a good metrics person, as well as a good accountant, as well as a good programmer, as well as a good QA assessor, as well as a good manager, as well as a good executive, as well as, as well as, as well as. No one can possibly know that. You know that, I know that. Let's stop kidding ourselves. That's impossible. Even if you say I'm a technical recruiter, let's be fair. It's not like technical stuff is getting simpler lately. It's exponentially increasing. If you just say, I'm just a technical recruiter and I focus only on technology stuff, good for you. You cut an infinitely sized pie in half. It's still infinitely big. It's still incredibly complicated. There are still plenty of recruiters who focus. There are executive recruiters who focus on types of executives. That's good. Types of technical recruiters who focus only on a particular type of program or type of uh, system. I only hire for startups, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, or I only hire for agencies, whatever. And and, and any kind of uh, nichification and, and, and specialization is good, except you still have to turn around and find a needle in a haystack, and best of luck to that. So job descriptions suck because no one is incentivized to make good job descriptions. Everybody from, from the front of the process to the end of the process is incentivized to just get it done without spending any resources whatsoever on investing in time, energy, effort uh, to make the job description better. Right? No one, the hiring manager is not incentivized. They know that the recruiting recruiter will figure it out. And the recruiter is not incentivized because they can't know enough. And if they spent a lot of time trying to, you know, quiz the hiring manager on what makes a good X, Y, or Z, that's time not spent on LinkedIn and other places looking and trolling for candidates. You know, the money is out there. Money is not in here. So go out there. So job descriptions are going to suck because no one's incentivized to do it. So there's a plethora of companies. I could name many, and I won't. Um, who will tell you there are shortcuts to the job description. You know, how do you make the job description better? How do you annotate it? How do you add to it? Um, the process of 
rewriting a job description involves lawyers many oftentimes and you know certified HR type people and that never speeds things up. So rather than saying we're going to gut it and start from the beginning and for a company of 100 people with 10 job descriptions you're effectively saying hey HR you're done for the next two months you have to go write all these things and go get them figured out and, and, and approved and everything, um, yeah, no, no one's going to do that. No one's going to invest that kind of time. And if it's a company bigger than 100, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So everybody says what we're going to do is we're going to take the structure of the job description, we're going to annotate, we're going to add to it, we're going to call it, you know, treat the, the job description like a Christmas tree and I'm just going to hang ornaments on it. And you can hang all sorts of ornaments on it. You want an infographic? Great. You want disk assessment profiles? Sure. You want traits and value and, hey, this person should be more focused on strategy than promptness. Or, but no, but promptness is important too. But strategy is important too. Um, you, they're going to throw in pictures and pictures of a building and pictures of the office and maybe pictures from the Christmas party or the holiday party or whatever, or the picnic. They're going to throw in a couple of quotes. They're going to throw in some icons. They're going to throw in, hey, this job comes with benefits. Yay. Um, hey, this job is involves travel. Hey, this job. They're going to pull data from Glassdoor. They're going to pull data from LinkedIn. They're going to pull data from Indeed reviews. They're going to pull data from everywhere that you can because the assumption is no one in the process <clears throat> is incentivized to make enough time to make a job description good. No one. I got a frog in my throat, so coffee will fix that. Mm. Good one today. So <clears throat> instead of fixing, they're adding on. It's a patchwork quilt effect. It's, uh, if you ever owned a very old house, <coughs> excuse me, and you go in to hang a nail or ha hang a picture and your nail goes through the wall a little faster than you think it should and the plaster starts to crumble and you start to see this tube and, uh, tube and cable wiring from 100 years ago, which is now legal, um, you understand what we're talking about. They, you know, they're taking a structure and just adding on to it without stripping out the stuff that was screwing it up in the first place. Get you, it's a short-term fix. I mean, it'll get it'll serve it'll survive today, but tomorrow you're gonna be hating life, you know. But that's the recruiter's life, you know. There are so many long-term fixes they want to make, and they can't because it's all short-term thinking. Get me the person, the you know, get me bodies in the room, get me resumes on the on the desk, get me people in the seats. Let's go, let's go, let's go. It's all short-term thinking. There's very little long-term thinking, and no one wants to stop and say, look. Instead of just annotating and throwing all this stuff we found either from internal resources or third-party resources, which, by the way, I wonder how legal it is to take resources from third parties and stick it on your site. Uh, no one's really kind of clarified that. Uh, like, for example, someone writes something really, really nice about you on Glassdoor. Can you put that on your website? Can you? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's okay because technically Glassdoor owns that. Um, you know, that that those are the questions that we get into trouble with one day because we're just too busy annotating and adding on instead of worrying about let's gut it to the beginning and wonder how do we do this right. Um, Steven's question was can you add content and everybody's trying to do that and I think what they're trying to do unfortunately is going about it the wrong way and that is let's just add what's easily available. Um, this is a situation where the lowest hanging fruit must be the fix because it's the, because it's the fruit I can reach. It's not the fruit I want, it's not actually useful, but it's activity that looks like change, it looks like movement, it looks like progress, so therefore it's good enough. Adding all this stuff onto a res onto a job description is nice. I mean, it keeps me from having to go to Glassdoor. Guess what? Going to Glassdoor anyway. Uh, it keeps me from going to do my research on Google. Guess what? Going to do that anyway. Um, you know, I'm going to find out that this job has benefits and requires travel 
honestly, it should say that somewhere in the job description if you're doing it right. Um, making them icons, making them callouts, making them whatever. It's nice, I guess, but it's not telling me anything. It's not telling me what this job's all about. It's not going to tell me what's my day-to-day going to look like. What am I spending my time? Is there an opportunity for growth here? Am I, is this a job where you expect me to sit and do my job for eight hours and go home? Or is this a job where you want me to put my heart and soul into this gig and when my reward for that is doing more and getting more opportunity? That's what I want to know. The fact that it requires Word? Okay. I guess. That's helpful. Sure. By the way, list me a job that doesn't require Word. <laughs> on some level. There are very few jobs. I imagine even sanitation workers have to do paperwork and there's a f- computer somewhere on the, at home where they are at the, at the, the home office where they have to do paperwork. Everybody needs to know how to use a computer. You do not have to list that you requires proficiency in computers or office or stuff like that. You might as well say you requires proficiency in doors. <laughs> the ability to use an elevator. Killing me, kids. Anyway, so... If you if annotating and just adding on the stuff that's easy to find isn't the answer, and it's not, what's the answer? Well, unfortunately, there's no good fix to this. And unfortunately, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's yet another situation where the fact that it's easy to do is a signal that it's not worth doing, right? The fact that you can grab all this information from, you know, uh, Instagram of people at your picnic and Glassdoor reviews and uh, the hiring manager in four seconds can press a couple of buttons and come up with a couple of traits and scores for what those traits mean without any frame of reference whatsoever and any kind of sense of context, which, okay. Um, it looks like it's something that's working because it's better than nothing, but it's not really all that much better than nothing. And you're still going to have to pay for that on some level. Invest your time on things that matter. The question is, what is? What is the things that a good applicant needs to know before they say yes? Or before they say, oh, hell no, right? Isn't that the goal? The goal is to get people to say either, oh, hell yes or hell no. That's the, that's a, the prospect you don't want is the one who goes, oh, okay, I guess. Woo, throw them a little party. Yay, you got a prospect who said, I guess I'll do that job. Yeesh. You want the hell yeah or hell no. That's what you want. I mean, yeah, you'll take the occasional, okay, I guess I sure. Sometimes you just need to put a butt in a seat and get the job done. But in the end, what you want is the person who says, hell yeah, hell no. And if you're not giving anybody enough information to respond to to give you an authentic hell yeah or hell no, what are you getting? You're getting, meh. You're getting the same old, same old. I mean, look, job descriptions are the way they are because no one has time to think them through and actually consider them and worry about them and fret over them. It's a lot of, okay, I'll just give you more of the same. And nobody cares because everybody knows that's what everybody else is doing. If you're Facebook, do you really care that your job description is mediocre? If Google's and Apple's job descriptions are equally mediocre? No. Is it an opportunity for uh, advancement? Is it an opportunity to uh, make a competitive advantage? Yes. Does that take time and investment? Yes. Now, if we take Facebook, Apple, and Google, the companies with all the money out of the equation. It's you and your competitor, and you're all fighting tooth and nail um, for uh, not just talent, but for clients and, and resources and all this other stuff, and your margins are razor thin. The concept of having a competitive advantage in talent is hard to kind of invest in. It's hard to say, yeah, I'm going to spend X grand to make that thing happen, or I'm going to spend X number of hours rewriting all my job descriptions to make them actually functionally useful and telling and compelling. And that may be too high a bar to kind of cover, but whatever. 
what do people really want to say hell yeah or hell no? That's the ultimate question. Now, I can't answer that because what you want and what I want in people we would hire are different. I'm sorry. It is. I can't. There is no magic bullet. There is no secret weapon. Um, I had a, 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 someone who worked for me for a long time says, what's, you know, who seemed to be hunting for the perfect interview question. I said, there is no perfect interview question. If there is, we'd all be using it. And if we all did, everyone would have a great answer for it, and then it would be worthless. It doesn't work that way. The great interview question happens at the right person at the right time in the right context. The best interview question sounds stupid if it's the first question and maybe amazing at the end or amazing in the middle and stupid at the front and the end. It's the context. What you care about matters. Unfortunately, the answer to this is actually pretty simple, except you're going to hate it. The answer is you need some intention. Your intention is not to put a button in a seat. Your intention is not to just fill the slot. Your intention is not just hand a hiring manager a stack of resumes higher than they are. The intention is to hire talent. But how do you define talent? Well, I'm sorry, but the hiring manager with their boss potentially may need to sit down and say, what does talent really look like? Is talent fast? Is talent accurate? Is talent strategic? Is talent executional? Is talent tactical? Is talent quiet? Is talent talent uh, consistent. What is talent? And there's a number of traits that matter, and there are a number of traits that don't, depending. And you just have to think about what they are. Now, you know, I've been thinking about you know what what the talent is. I'm having a separate conversation with somebody else, and I, I'm going to talk about that later uh, in another podcast episode about interview questions. But the question is, in the end, a great interview question. Um, isn't a great interview question. It's, it's not. It's not, you know, like tablets from God. Moses didn't come down from the mountain with 10 commandments and two great interview questions that everyone can answer. And the reason no one has good interview questions is because everybody's terrified of asking a bad one and, and getting in trouble. Or so you get stuff like, what's your biggest weakness, which snoozeville. The problem with interview questions is that the question's almost immaterial. You have to know what question to ask when, and then you have to know what to listen for. So for example, if you're looking for someone, if you're looking for a shark, right? You're looking for someone who is going to push their grandmother down a hill to get the sail, right? That's a shark. For all intents and purposes, that's the shark. The question, you know, uh, if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? What are you listening for? If they say a weeping willow, if they say an oak, if they say, uh, I don't know. What's the answer you're looking for? The question's only beginning. When they give you an answer, what's the answer you're listening for? So if, the que if you're looking for a shark and you want to say, tell me about a project you worked on that you led and how it was successful, what you're listening for is, right, ambition, um, uh, in, in, in innovation, willingness to try new things, willingness to put the effort in, willingness to put a few extra hours in, uh, the, the thought that happened in the shower on the Saturday morning and what they did with that thought that they couldn't get out of their head. Well, they went in the office and they wrote it down and they took it out and they made it into a thing and they used it to sell a thing. They did it right then. They couldn't take it out of their head. That sounds like a shark. If you're looking for someone who is going to be great at doing the same thing day in, day out, eight hours a day, those questions are horrible. Those answers are even worse. <laughs> you know, if you put a shark in a DMV role, um, you're going to get crap. You're going to get horribleness. It's just, it, it doesn't work. You're trying to make the match. Um, you have to know what you're looking for. So the concept of intentionality is crucial 
when it comes to job descriptions. What do you really want to hire? Do you want a leader? Do you want a follower? Do you want someone consistent and someone you can count on? Or do you want someone who's going to jump off a bridge every day and figure it out on the way down? Those are all different people, all wonderful, very sweet, kind, sweet faces, and you would love to have them. But some of them are going to be really good at this job, and some of them are going to be real nightmares. And you can't write a job description until you understand what exactly are you looking for. Is this a leadership job? Is this a shark job? Is this a consistent job? Is this a whatever job? Okay, that is step one, knowing what success actually looks like. What does a great candidate really, really look like? Not what skills they have. That's keyword stuffing. You can use that. You can get them from other places. You can ask everybody who does the job now to submit four skills and aggregate them, and you're done. Easy. You're the hire manager. Presumably, you're not the recruiter here. You know what you want. You know what's going to be successful. You have a vision for the team. You know how the team needs to grow. You have to have the intention. That's why they pay you more, right? It's not because you're pretty. It's because you have to have a sense of how to stay ahead of the game and having intention on how to, what talent is important and what talent is useful and what talent you need to bring in is part of that. Sorry. This is why you get a bonus package in some cases, right? You do have to do the heavy lifting. So once you have the intentionality figured out, then you have some choices. You can still pull some low-hanging fruit. I don't think there's really anything wrong with throwing some low-hanging fruit on like Glassdoor reviews and, and pictures and quotes and what have you, so long as it aligns to the, in the intention. Like I said, if you have an intention for this job, go to your team and say, hey, write down three things every, you want this new person to know, or three things the, the, the new person has to have or has to be able to do day one. What are skills you expect? Collect them, trim them, aggregate them, and use that. That's great raw material. Now again, you're still the editor here. You're still going to add to it. You're still going to trim out the stuff that doesn't align with what your intention is, but get them to help you understand what the day-to-day -day is of that second. You want to avoid uh, the, the job description that says um, bonus for knowing Lotus Notes when you, your company hasn't used Lotus Notes in, I don't know, a decade now. Um, ask them all, what are the top four tools you need, you need, everybody needs right now? Make a Google Doc. <laughs> Have every, share it with everybody on your team and say, you're going to write the job descriptions of list of skills they need to have and have them all annotated. It will t Each individually will take three minutes to do it, and you're going to have an amazing current job description that will probably look nothing like the one you had last one or six months ago, but that's kind of okay. You want currentness. So the currentness of skills that your team builds for you, on top of which the aggregated information, on top of which the annotation, I think that gets you 80% of the way there. What I think makes an amazing job description is effectively, I, you're going to hate me here, hate me when I say it, what makes an amazing cover letter or a resume, depending on how you do this. As I told someone recently, the resume is not there to get you the job. The resume is there to get you the phone interview. The phone interview there is, to, is there to get you the interview. The interview is there to get you the final interview. The final interview is there to get you the offer. The offer is there to get you the job. Trying to get the resume to get you the job is crazy town. It doesn't work that way. So don't try and make your resume the kitchen sink of all things you've ever done ever. I don't, if you're 35, I don't care what you did in high school or what your, God help me, what your GPA in high school was or really what your GPA anywhere is. Please remove your GPA. Um, there's only a handful of companies that care about that and like, um, I would. I have questions about that. What you want in a cover letter is not, and resume is not. Here's everything I've ever done. It's not the historical record. What you want in a cover letter and a story is very simple. You want a story. You want a simple, 
clarifying, unifying, cohesive, clear story. You want the developer to come in and say the story is either I am the, you know, effectively the person behind all the other people who ties all their stuff together to make it seem coherent. That's a skill. By the way, that is an unbelievable skill. But if you need a lead developer, that's not the skill you want. Sometimes the story for the developer is there's a problem. It was arcane. No one could figure it out. It involved connecting back to a server with information that no one on the team had. I went and I learned more about that server. I found the problem. I solved the problem. That's what I do for a living. I solve problems. I don't care whether the problem is. If it connects to my code, I will figure out how to solve the problem. That's a story. That's a story that tells you so much about this person, about what they're good at and who they are and what they value and what's going to motivate them and what's going to make them move forward and whether or not they're going to be in a great fit and whether or not you're going to want them. Those two stories are very different success stories, both successful stories. Don't kid yourself. One is not better than the other. It's just that one of them you're going to want and one of them you're like, yeah, that's not as effective as what I want. You might want the person who ties the stuff up. You might want the person who lets nothing stand in their way. I don't care if we're not talking about developers. We're talking about um, creative writers. Is the question, is the story told that my stories, I write really boring stories that somehow manage to show up in some fairly large name publications? That's a story. For example, this job description ended up in Forbes. For example, this product description ended up in Fast Company. For example, this Kickstarter uh, description ended up being seen by 10 million people. That's a story. And I know who you are. I know what skills you bring to the table. The rest of the resume and cover letter is almost invisible to me. Now I get who you are. The other story for the copywriter might be, what I do is effective and I build 60 stories in a month, every month. I can do that on a regular basis. That's consistency. Wow. Wow. Somebody's going to want that. Somebody's going to pay that person 15% extra because that's a huge skill but it's not the same as the first skill. They're both success stories, but what do you want? And until you know the intention of what you want in that job, you need to write the same story for your job description. You need to write. In the last six months, this team has grown, so what we need is someone who has da-da-da-da-da-da. For example, when a client comes in and says da-da-da-da-da, I need someone who stops what they're doing and does this and does this and does this and doesn't stop until they get the job done. That story says more about the job than the rest of the body of the job description combined. I guarantee you. If the story is the client comes in and your job is to make sure that all clients are treated equally, that everybody's getting work to get done, setting expectations to that client to understand why they're not going to get what they want this second, but when they are going to get it and make sure you meet expectations. Again, another success story, but telling, speaking volumes of what this job really is. That's a job description. Tack on all the other crap you're going to tack on to it because you got to, but whatever. Nobody's going to care. Focal point, the story you tell about the job description is what matters. A single story. You don't need to tell 20 stories. You don't need to tell, you know, do write war and peace for every single job description. You do not need to write anything complicated. You just need to say, look, in a given situation, I need the person who thinks this way. And I know you know that because you're a hiring manager and you see it all the time. And you see it when people do that, you go, I love it when that person does that. And when someone else doesn't do it, you go, man, it drives me off the wall when that person doesn't do that. That's the story you want. That's the crystallizing, distilling factor of understanding what the heck this job is and everything else is immaterial. The fact that you guys use Google Docs over Word or the fact that you use 
I don't know, Outlook over some other email client or you're all Slack or I don't care. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter when it compared to that story. And that's why when people talk about storytelling in the workplace and storytelling in recruiting, that's the kind of story we're starting to talk about. Not once upon a time there was a fish and the fish had a, had a son and the son swam away and the fish had to find a turtle and they swallowed a whale and they found, they found Nemo, right? That's a story. That's, that's a story, yes. And Pixar does amazing work with that. You don't have to be Pixar in that case. You just have to tell the story of what the job is and what's meaningful and important about the job. That's the gig. Now, the best part is if you're the hiring manager and you can write that, oh man, can a recruiter, the recruiter will go, first off, if they're not local to you, they will pick, jump on a plane and, and kiss you in the mouth. They will just, they thank you for having something useful I can sell, something valuable. A recruiter is a salesperson, right? They're a marketer, but they're also a salesperson, but most of their salesperson, first and foremost, they need a product to sell. And having a product that looks like every other product is hard. It is soul crushing. It is brutal. It is painful. It is tough. It is the reason they have to collect a paycheck and they don't do it for free. Having something worth selling, something differentiating, something almost defensible, oh my goodness, they're going to give you a Christmas present or a holiday present or whatever present. I don't care. They're going to be so thrilled. They're going to have something to work with. And the more you give it to them, the more they work with you. And the more they love working with you, the better work you're going to get from them. Simple as that. So Stephen, Steve Usher from Stockholm. <laughs> I'm laughing. I can't believe it myself. A uh, real person. He sent me a LinkedIn. Um, I hope that answers your question. I really do. If it doesn't, certainly complain. Um, you know, get your money back. Ah, was, come on. Otherwise, if you have questions, if you have subjects, if you have topics, if you have situations or scenarios you'd like us to play out, that's fantastic. I promise next time will be uh, employer brand. I promise it won't be the same old, same old you get from everybody else about employer brand. Um, if you have questions, topics, concerns, issues, questions, whatever, I'm on the Twitter at the war for talent or you can find me on the talentcast.com the talentcast.com um thank you for the review thank you if you if you liked this if you enjoyed this i really do appreciate rev review more reviews makes apple take me seriously if you can believe it um and puts us more in the right people's faces i guess uh, otherwise uh, i hope you have a great week and i will talk to you soon thanks very much and thanks for listening to talentcast bye the world's best known investor and wall street expert warren buffett once said Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.